right, we're in Psalms chapter 12 and going to be preaching through this whole chapter today. But I want to start out in verse 5. Notice what it says. It says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And I want you to notice that phrase where it says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. And here's the question. Is that talking about the words of the Lord? Or is that talking about the poor who are being oppressed that are going to be kept? And there's a, there's a debate out there on that. And I didn't even know there was a debate on this until probably less than a year ago. Uh, I've always heard preachers use this passage to teach that God has promised to preserve his word. That he's going to keep his words. And I've looked at that passage and I've said, yeah, that looks like that's exactly what it says. But then there's a lot of people out there who do not like the King James only position that many people hold. And that we use this verse to prove God has preserved his word. And so, because the thing is, the reason people don't like the King James only position is people don't like it that we will correct their doctrine with our King James Bible. And in, in this church, the Bible is the final authority. We believe that this Bible is God's word, and we believe that it is perfect. I, be, I believe every word in this King James Bible, I believe this is God's words, and people will say, there's got to be flaws in it. There has to be flaws because man's not capable of, you know, keeping it perfect. Like it says, you know, have you ever played the telephone game where you tell somebody something and they tell somebody something? People use these things all the time. But here's the thing about it. God promised that he would preserve his words. And we believe that and we use this verse. And so when we're saying that we believe we have a perfect Bible today, we feel like that that goes along with the scripture because God promised he would preserve his words. And so obviously it's preserved somewhere. And we believe that it's preserved right here uh, in, in the Bible. We believe this is evidence uh, of that, that we have a perfect, that we have a perfect Bible. And so uh, I, it was Monday or Tuesday, I put this message together and I, I was like, I'm going to do a study. I want to find out, is it really the words being preserved or is it the poor being preserved? Because I mean, the IFB has been known to take a verse or two out of context Every now and then. I mean, even if they did take this out of context, I still believe the Bible's perfect. But I was like, I, I, I want to really study this. And I did. Folks, I looked at this every way you can possibly look at it. And I'm sorry, I, I, I'm still convinced that it's the words of God that are being preserved and not necessarily the poor. That, that's, what, that's what it's talking about. And so after I did that, I, just, I did a tweet. All right? And if you're not familiar with Twitter, Twitter is this horrible, toxic environment where everybody gets on there and they spout off at the mouth and just fight with each other. And, and for some reason, I'm on there and some reason I get caught up in it sometimes. And so I just got on there and I just tweeted. I just felt led. It was, I wasn't responding to anybody. It was just after this. I, I felt led and I just said, I'm sorry, but no matter how you spin it, you can't make what is being preserved in Psalms 12 the poor. There is no doubt it is the words of the Lord being preserved. I've looked at it every way possible, and you cannot make it about the poor without changing the entire chapter. Because we're going to look at the context. 
of this. And let me tell you, it started a huge fight. I mean, everybody got involved. James White himself, right? He doesn't even follow me. He got involved, okay? And I was just, and you know, and if you don't know who James White is, uh, he was on Back to the Future. He was the professor on there. Um, he's just got a haircut now and uh, a goatee, but uh, he, he looks a lot like that guy. And he's he's like one of the you know more renowned Bible correctors that are out there. And uh, you know he's in the Calvinist camp. And Cal, I've never met a Calvinist that didn't want to correct the King James Bible because the King James Bible destroys Calvinism. And so they they're all they're always some of the biggest. But you know James White is definitely an intelligent individual. Okay. Uh, he he's smart. You know, he knows a lot of Hebrew and Greek and uh, and you know, and he made a video You know showing how the Hebrew proves it's the poor and I can't even tell what's on that screen All right now. He explained it on this video. I watched this week. It didn't prove anything to me All right, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too dumb. All right. I, I don't think that's the case but uh, he, he, he well, this is one of the things he said in the program because he referred to my tweet and he was putting tweets up on the screen, but he didn't put my tweet up on the screen. And this is what he said about my tweet. Okay? He said uh, that um, he was talking about the tweet I did, said, and he didn't put up on the screen. He put others up there, but he said, my tweet said that no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't see how Psalms 12 wasn't about the preservation of the King James Bible. Okay? Now, why didn't he put my tweet up on the screen? Because that's not what I said. I said, what's being preserved are the words of God, not the poor. That's what I said. To me, that's where the argument should be. And I get it. There are, you got Ruckmanites out there that take that verse and purify it seven times. You know, the King James Version was the seventh translation. And folks, if there would have been eight, they just wouldn't have counted one of them because it had problems with it. You can do that stuff and make it do whatever you need it to do. I think that's a terrible argument. I do not believe that Psalms 12 is directly talking about the King James Bible because I believe Psalms 12 was true in that day before there was a King James Bible. And I believe it was true in 1610 before there was a King James Bible. Okay? I, I don't believe it was directly about the King James Bible. I believe it was about God's inspired word. He promised that he would preserve it. And so we still have it. And I believe for the English-speaking people that it's right here in this King James Bible. And so when I talk about how we have a perfect Bible here, you know, and I'll go and look at well, you know what? We shouldn't be surprised. God said that he would preserve it. And I'm going to talk tonight about why I believe English has is, is, uh, been used the way it has. But uh, that was a massive misrepresentation that he did right there and for very good reason because I don't think he wanted to spend as much time talking about why, you know, it's the poor versus the words, because I don't think he has a good argument there at all. And I'm going to show you why people believe it's the poor, because they don't believe it from reading the King James Bible. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you why here in a little bit. But what's important that we do is that we go through this chapter. When we understand this whole chapter, it's so obvious what is being preserved. And when you, when you get the context of the whole chapter, remember this is a psalm, this is a song. And when you understand what's being talked about here, you can come to no other conclusion that this is about the words of God unless the King James translators mangled the entire chapter. And one of these Bible correctors that was on there, I asked them, I was like, you can't have it both ways. Either it's the words of God or the King James translators did a horrible job. And this guy, he always likes to talk like the King James translators were great. 
But the King James Version, it's a great translation. You know, you just don't know how to read it. It's just like, no, it, it's pretty obvious, okay? So let's go ahead and go through this chapter and see what's being talked about here. So it says in verse 1, To the chief musician upon Shemineth, a psalm of David, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Like there's no godly people that are out there? Like the faithful fail from among the children of men? Have you ever looked in politics and looked at our leaders and said, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth? Have you ever looked at Christianity and thought, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth? Have you ever looked in your own church? Okay? I think every pastor's probably been there before. It's just like, the faithful fail from among the children of men. I mean, we all feel this way. You know, you know why we feel this way? Because people let us down all the time. People fail all the time. It's just, and we've all felt this way. And so David is in distress, calling on God, because it seems to him that the end has come for godly men. And we often do, we often trust in people more than we should. And men are always going to let us down, but man's not something we can count on. And you're delusional if you think you can't. And you're going to be in for some massive disappointments. Okay? You can't count on men. Verse 2, they, these men, these godly men that have ceased, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. And this reminds me of politicians too. Because again, when you're looking for leadership, a lot of times you do. You have that guy in the primary who's saying all these things and you love what he's saying. It's like, man, this is exactly what we need. And then he gets in office and he doesn't do any of that stuff. It's like, you, you know, uh, and to, the key to getting elected in politics is talking like you agree with everybody. And these guys do too, no matter who they're talking to, no matter who's interviewing them. Hey, man, I hear what you're saying. You know, you're right. But then... They go and they start saying all these other things. And, you know, it's just, I wish one time a politician would just look at somebody and say, you know what, that's just a stupid question. You know, that's just a stupid position. Because there are some positions that are really that bad. But, no, they can't do that because it will get used against them. And so it's just flattery, just flattery. We can't count on them. And there are, there are often men who pop up, too, and they say good things. But they don't mean them. Have you ever known a preacher who preached good stuff, and then you found out he was a scoundrel. You found out that he was immoral. And you know what it causes you to do? It causes you to get discouraged, and then, you, and then you wonder. And I've seen people even recently who they've left the faith because preachers, people that they counted on, they found out they were immoral. They found out they were living a double life. They found out all these things that they were saying that sounded wonderful were not from their heart. They were speaking flattering words with their lips. And you know what? They got discouraged and they fell out and they quit and they gave up. And unfortunately, these people are out there because there's a lot of people, too. You got to understand they're going to say whatever they feel they need to say to get what they need to get from you people. And let me tell you, with, with an audience like you, OK, we've you know, we've got people that are, uh, have just moved here that are from an independent fundamental Baptist church. So, you know what? It's easy for me to know what they probably want to hear. Because I know where they're from. I'm familiar with the, the pastor of the church that they went to. So I, I would know what I need to say to impress them. Right? To keep them, uh, you know, to keep them wanting to come here. But at the same time, you know, if they hear me saying those things, 
and then later find out, man, he doesn't even mean those things. He doesn't even believe those things. It shouldn't be a shock because there's a lot of people out there like that who it's not sincere. But they, they just know what they're supposed to say. And there are certain things you're supposed to say if you're an independent fundamental Baptist. We all know. And King James Bible. Amen. Okay. Now, do we mean it? Or are we just saying it? Because a lot of people are just saying it. They don't really mean it. And that's a sad thing. But you know what it is? It's just like it was in David's day. Saying flattering things. There's a lot of people out there. They say salvation, faith alone. They don't mean it. They, they don't mean it at all. That's what they're saying with a double heart. Verse 3 says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, watch this, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Now, this, this is amazing too, because after I did that tweet, these people who came on there and started just like challenging this, and I didn't even do most of the arguing. I was, a bunch of other preachers got involved, and I just kind of sat back, and I just watched the show. And I, it was like we were living out Psalms 12. They were literally just, they're, they're not proving their point. They're just, again, with our tongue will we prevail. You know, just throwing out the insults, calling in the big names. Dr. White, come see what this moron is saying about the King James Bible. And then obviously, you know, we get the big names. We get the guys with the big followings. Let's get them saying things. Well, you know, the majority's on our side. The majority's liking our tweets. You know, the majority's going along with, you know, we're going we're to win this thing with our tongue. We're going to prevail. And boy, these people are good at getting up and saying very, you know, great swelling words, becoming very pompous. James White is very good getting up and talking about people's lack of intellect and inability to study the Hebrew and you know you just don't understand the Hebrew and how all that works and if you you know had better education you would be able to get to all these things and you know what and because I'm smarter than you I'm right and you're wrong that sounds kind of like these people here in Psalms 12 you know we're going to prevail over you with our tongue because we're good speakers because we're great debaters and let me tell you guys like James White I wouldn't want to debate him about what color the sky is. I, if I, even if I had the position blue and he had purple, he would probably beat me in that debate. Because I'm not, I'm not good at that kind of thing. That's what he does. And so, but people will see that, and I mean, oh, wow. Look, listen to that. Look at that guy puff himself up. Listen to those great swelling words. You know what, you know what he's doing? He's trying to prevail with his words. And people often think if they say something good enough, if they say it loud enough, or often enough, if they, can get, if they can get the majority of the people to say the same thing, then that means they changed reality in one. And let me tell you, in the last year since I've been hearing people sing this song about it being the poor being preserved, I've seen a lot of guys who say they're even King James only conceding that and going along with it. And I'm telling you, the majority is going that direction. The majority is going that way. And these people feel like now that because of that, they have literally changed reality. But folks, the Bible's reality. Okay? The Bible says what it says. It doesn't matter what the majority said. But yet, we often find ourselves sitting there looking for truth, looking for something to hold on to, and we're seeing everything go the other direction. We're seeing people all say the same thing. 
Folks, we are, we are losing the battle in so many areas in this country when it comes to morality. Folks, morality is not even an issue anymore. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to the sodomites, when it comes to so many things, we are clearly in the minority now. And these people are, have, are prevailing in their minds with their tongues. But you know what? Truth is still truth. Immorality is still immorality. Right still right. Wrong still wrong. Bible's still the word of God, but yet the masses are going another direction. And so if you're depending on people, you're going to be in a tough spot right now because things aren't, things aren't going a good direction. And so there are, there's often, um, well, so, uh, so ultimately notice what it says in verse, uh, four, it says our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? You know what these people have done? They have, this is most of our country today. They have declared their own tongue as Lord. There are some people, they go off, what does the Bible say? There's some people, they go off, this is what I think. So your Lord is your tongue. Your Lord is you, if that's the case. And this is, this is the difference. This is why people have a problem with the King James only position because we often do, there's, there's going to be doctrinal debates. But what we do on our side is we go to the scriptures and we say, what saith the scripture? And then we let that settle the argument. But they're not willing to accept what the scripture says. So what they do is they come along and they have told us, well, you've got to understand the Bible isn't completely accurate. You know, it's just a translation. There's some problems in it. This is what it actually says. And the thing is, you can't get any of these two people to agree. They all have their own interpretations of things. And ultimately what it comes down to, it's they go with the version of the Bible. And folks, there's so many versions out there. They just go off the one that says the closest to whatever they think. and Or they'll just tell you what it actually means, making their lips the Lord. And that's, folks, my lips, my words should not be the final authority of this church. Your lips, your words should be the final authority for your life. The words of God should be the final authority. That should settle the arguments, what the Bible says. But these people, no. Who is Lord over us? They've declared their lips Lord. And then, and ultimately what it comes down to, this is why people need to change the Bible. Because they don't want to be accountable to it. They don't want to follow it. They don't like what it says because they have evil in their hearts. They want to do wickedly. And it says in verse 5, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. And I like that phrase, that puffeth at him too. It's just like they got a bunch of hot air coming out of them. It's like they're puffing themselves up. Oh, really? You think it's the words of God? All right, well, let me I puff myself up. I have all these degrees. I am fluent in all these languages. I have debated on multiple stages against Muslims and I've done this. I've got this massive following on social media. And now let me tell you what I think and what you think is irrelevant. And let me tell you, I mean, at the end of the day, these people, they're the majority. They have the bigger following. And let me, James White literally got on there and started puffing. He, he did. I, I, I'm like, I'm just watching. I'm observing all this. And I'm like, I had already written out this message. And I'm like, 
this is exactly what I was going to be talking about. And at first, I, didn't, I thought it was just like, a, an, I thought it was maybe somebody pretending to be James White. Turned out it was actually him. And I, I, I was just like, this is, it just cemented in my mind that this is what the Bible is teaching. I mean, they're doing everything this said to do here, and they're leading, pe- they're leading people astray. And so, um, it, so, so God is saying here that those who are puffing at them, those who are trying to lord over them with their words, that God is going to deal with them. You know what? And thank God for that. I'm glad God's going to deal with the false prophets. I'm thankful for that. And then verse 6, he says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, just reading those two verses, it would seem crystal clear what's being preserved are the words of the Lord, yet people are, are telling us, no, that's not it. You've got to go back one more verse. All right? We're being told that the antecedent of the word them is not the words of God that was being spoken about in the previous verse, but we've got to go back two verses to where it's talking about the poor. That that's what is being preserved. Okay? But I'm tell- I, there, there's just no way to make that happen. And so, I'm going to give you a few reasons why I believe that it's the words of the Lord that are being preserved and not the poor. Because, for one, the words of the Lord are the subject of the previous verse, and it makes sense that when David would say them, he would be referring to what was previously mentioned. So Unless we just have a bad translation, but even then, they would have had to translate the whole chapter wrong. Because it's not just about one or two verses. Okay? Because... So if it was a reference to something completely different, besides what was previously mentioned, then there should have been some kind of clarifying statement to make it clear what he was talking about. It doesn't make any sense that it would be that way. And so I also I believe it's referring to the words of God because you know I do believe that the KJV translators knew what they were doing and they translated the Bible accurately. Okay, and and so I believe it's the words. Because I, I use the King James Bible, and I believe that they translate it accurately. Okay? You say, well, you, know, you can't use the King James to prove itself. All right? But here's the thing. They believe it's the poor because they're reading other versions. All right? And let me show you this. Because I remember when I first heard this, I thought, there's just no way you can just read this passage and come to the conclusion it's talking about the poor. But it would happen if you read other versions. Let me just give three examples. The ESV. A lot of these people like the ESV. It says in verse 5, Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, saith the Lord. I will place him in safety, in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. So, when you look at the them, it looks like it still be words, but then it adds, you will guard us. So it looks like it could be talking about the people. So I can see where you might get that idea from the ESV. Still not real clear, but how about the NIV? Okay, NIV is very popular. And it says, because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless. Like silver purified in a crucible like gold, 
refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe. You will protect us from the wicked. So when you read the NIV, it's definitely talking about the poor in the NIV. And so the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation. So, definitely talking about the poor if you read that version. So, what they, what, what they want to do is go to the originals. But here's the thing, too. Here's a question I have. Okay, when they're going to their originals, okay, when James White's going to his Hebrew, is it the same manuscript that they translated the King James from? Because that would be important, too, because there's bad manuscripts out there, too. So that's an important thing, too. I don't know, um, you know what manuscripts they translated these other Bibles from. I wouldn't doubt some of those other ma- bad manuscripts say things like that. I'm interested in the one that the King James translators used. Okay, I'm interested in, uh, uh, that's what I'm interested in. But, e- but either way, uh, you know, either way you spin it, the ma- vast majority of these people out there echoing this idea that it's the poor are people who are, re- they got that not from reading the Hebrew or any Hebrew, they got it from reading other versions. So I read the King James version, so naturally I would think it's the words of God that are being preserved. They, but their reason for thinking it's something else is because they are reading other versions. And that, my friends, is why we have this debate about what Bible we should use. That's why we make a really big deal and we don't say all versions are the same. That's why we don't say that it doesn't matter which Bible you use as long as you use one. No, we believe you need to use the right one. We believe that you need to use an accurate one. If we're not using the same one, we're going to come to very different conclusions. And so we've got people out there that feel fine changing whatever they need to change in the Bible. You know, and, and it's because they don't believe Psalms 12, 6, and 7 like we do. That God's words are preserved. There's a lot of people out there that teach. They believe in the inspiration. Because we'll say, well, all scripture is just given by inspiration. It can't be inspired of God and be flawed. And then they'll say, well, the original autographs were. But we don't have those. We only have copies. So therefore, we can't just believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. We have to believe in preservation also. And we believe in preservation here. We believe that God has preserved his words. And so we believe we can go to the scriptures and see exactly what God said. And we believe that's what we're seeing in our language when we read this King James Bible. So this is just one more reason why this is a big issue. The King James only issue is a big issue. And so, um, so what, you know, they said, they, but they'll do, they'll talk about going to the originals, but the truth is most of us and most of them, we cannot read the originals, which takes me to the third reason I believe it's referring to the words that are preserved. Because you see, if it's the poor, again, then the translators, they made many errors, not just one. Because, you know, I I believe it's the words being preserved because of the context and the message of the entire chapter. I mean, do we really think they got the whole chapter wrong? 
I mean, the entire chapter. Because, and, and let me, allow me to read this chapter again with some uninspired commentary. Okay, let's just, let's just go through this with some uninspired commentary from myself. Okay, I didn't get it from a commentary. This is just, this is my own thoughts. But li- listen, follow along your Bibles. So it says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. David's upset because he, cannot, he can't count on men. They speak vanity, everyone, with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. David is specifically upset that he can't trust the words of men. I like what they're saying, but I can't trust them. It's a great sin to speak lies and hypocrisy. It causes people to be turned away from the truth. If truth you heard was from somebody who ends up being a really bad person, it was still truth. But, unfortunately, they've turned you away from that truth. And, and it's a sad thing when that happens. So David is specifically upset he can't trust the words of men. It says, uh, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. God is going to deal with these people. They're going to be judged. They're always going to be around, but they're always going to be judged. Okay? The flattering lips, the liars will always be around until Jesus comes back and takes care of it and gets rid of all that stuff once and for all. Until then, they're always going to be around. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So David gives some specifics of what they are saying that is so bad. They are declaring their words to be Lord And they are not only doing this in rebellion against God, but they are doing it to oppress the poor and needy. So, verse 5, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. So God is going to stop these people that are pretending to be much bigger than they are. These people puffing them at them full of hot air. Now, in contrast to what David has said about the words of man, that are flattery and lies. Notice what he says about the words of the Lord. Because you know what this chapter is? This, church, this chapter is about man's word versus God's words. Because we do. We have man constantly speaking against the things of God. And people often find themselves, who do we believe? Who do we listen to? You want to know why most people have the attitude, can't we all get along? They just want everyone to be united so they can know what they're supposed to think. But it's never going to happen. You know, you're going to have to check things out for yourself. You're going to have to weigh things out. There's always going to be lying words around. You know what you have to do? You have to learn how to figure out who to listen to. And you know what? If you're just always looking to men or a group of men or a man, you're going to be disappointed because they're going to be frauds. And you know what you need to anchor yourself to is not man's words, but God's words. So now in contrast to man's words, that you can't count on, that are full of flattery. Verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. Everything you're getting from the mouth of God, it's good, it's pure, it's righteous. It, it, it says, Silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's not about the seven English translations. That's just explaining how pure it is. All, all the flaws are gone. This is, this is pure silver. It's, uh, so, there's no impurity. Verse 7. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God will keep His words. God will not fail. God will not flatter 
like we see in verse 1. These words are from the pure heart of a holy God, unlike the words coming from the double heart of man. That's the difference right there. And we've all been there. When we've been promised something by a politician, maybe, and they didn't come through. But you know what? With God, that's never a problem. And it, you know, it's like these politicians don't even care. Hey, we've all messed up before and like maybe not come through. But you know, at least some of us feel bad about it. You know, those politicians, they, they don't even care. Not only do they not come through, then they try to convince you when they're up for re-election that they did. It's like, really? <laughs> you, you really expect me to believe you this time? People do. You know, it, it's crazy. But now verse 8. We haven't touched on verse 8 yet. It says, The wicked walk on every side. When the vilest men are exalted. You know what? When man is exalted, especially vile men, wickedness increases. And so when you see vile men being exalted, when you see them lifted up to leadership, to the highest offices, you know what we all look for? Someone we can trust. You know, we, we see the leadership that we have going on today. And we just like, man, this is bad. Our world's a mess. A lot of people, they have given up on politics, and I understand why. Look at how bad these people are. A lot of people have given up on church because look how bad these Christians are. Look at, look, at all, look at how bad all these preachers are. We can't count on anybody. We can't trust anybody. But you know what? Something that we can count on is the words of God. Now, you know what I'm not counting on to get me through? When I listen to the words of man speaking against the things of God, I don't go and find comfort in the, in the poor being preserved. You know, that, I mean, I, I'm glad God's going to take care of the poor. I, I understand all that. But the conflict right now is the godly man ceaseth. The conflict right now is they're speaking lies and vanity and flattery. And they've got a double heart. They've declared their own lips as Lord. What can we count on? Because, again, this is a song. And you know what? It's nice if it, has a, if it has a resolution, if it has a happy ending to it. And you know what? This one, if there needs to be some message of hope in there. And, so, and th- sometimes there's psalms that are just all depressing. But, you know, the, but a lot of times there's ones that are depressing, but then within it, there's hope. And you know what David, I believe, is saying right here, and he's showing, is that, you know, we do... We live in a wicked world. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Vile men are out there. But ladies and gentlemen, we have something we can count on. It's the words of God. You're going to go tonight. You're going to watch the news. and you're going to, They're going to interview a politician on there. You know what he's going to do? He's going to lie through his teeth. You know what the people in the news are going to do? They're going to lie through their teeth. A lot of people there, they're sitting in churches. And they're going to hear preachers preaching. And some of those preachers are saying some good things. But you know what they're saying? Hypocrisy. They don't mean it. They're saying it with a double heart. And you know, and... and uh, and another preacher, all right, let me just make a prediction for 2022, okay? And I'm not trying to be a prophet right now, but there's going to be preachers get exposed in 2022 that turned out were frauds, turned out were perverts, who said a lot of good things. And you know what it's going to cause people to do? It's going to cause a lot of people to, to quit and to give up. And you know, and they're going to feel like David, and they're going to think, help, Lord. For the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. But you know what? There's going to be some people out there, when they see man fail, they're going to keep going. They're going to stand strong. You know why? Because they are anchored to the words of God. 
they, they're not going to drop out of church because they don't go to church because a preacher tells them to go to church. They go to church because the Bible says to go to church. A lot of people are going to quit soul winning this year because a preacher that told them they should go soul winning fell. But then there's going to be other people in that church. They're going to keep going because they're not going because a preacher's telling them to. They're going to because the Bible tells them to. Because, and, and let me tell you something, God will always keep his words. What we read in this Bible, it's not flattery. God means it. Have you ever had somebody tell you something and you wonder if they really meant it? Like all those signs that tell you no entry without a mask. It's like, I don't think, I don't think they mean it. You know, and most of the time they don't. Okay. But let me tell you, if God says not to do something, he means it. It's not, he's not just putting it there to make the health department happy. Okay? He's not just putting it there to make the religious crowd feel good because he knows that's what we want in the Bible. No, God doesn't put what we want in the Bible. He puts what he wants in the Bible. These are his words, and we, can, and we can count on them. And so I reject the idea of the poor being preserved because it completely changes the point of the entire chapter. This isn't just about one verse. This isn't just about one word that isn't exactly right or a phrase that's open to interpretation. The entire chapter doesn't really have a point. It doesn't really have a resolution if it's the poor that is being preserved and not the words. And so the psalmist's problems were with their lies. The fact that they made their words law over God's word. David wanted something he could trust. And if God's promise was to preserve the poor, you know, then, I mean, that's good. I'm thankful for that. But what are we being preserved from? Okay, what are the poor being preserved from? These people are oppressing us with their words and God's showing, hey, I've got something that I'm going to keep my words. And you know what my word says? I'm going to take care of those people. I'm going to judge them. Okay? I'll, I'll take care of the poor too. And God's going to take care of the poor. But at the end of the day, God does these things through his word. And so, yes, I believe the poor are protected. But that doesn't change the fact in verse 7, what we're seeing is it's the words of God that are being preserved. So, and let me tell you, Psalms 12 is not the only place where the Bible guarantees preservation of God's word. And um, I've got uh, I've got a lot of scripts up here I could go to. I'm not going to go to them for the sake of time. But you know, Matthew 24:35 says, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." Uh, it says in Isaiah 48, "The grass, grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand." Forever. Now, and I think everyone understands that this doesn't that verse there doesn't have to be talking about the written word. If God says something, that's going to stand. It's going to happen. But understand that a promise of what God said standing forever doesn't really do much for future generations if they don't have a way to see what he, exactly what he said. I get sometimes it's talking about the written words. Sometimes it's just talking about what he said. And they'll say, well, that's not talking about written words. That's just talking about what God said. So if God said something, it's going to happen as far into the future. It doesn't matter. Well, what do you do for us if we can't even know? If the only people that ever had that knowledge were the ones in that generation. No, it, these things matter because of the fact that we need these prompts. We need hope of these things too. And we can't have it without the word of God. And there's so much more we could go to. But you remember, it was in, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul talked about how um, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
that are able to make thee wise in salvation. It was the Holy Scriptures, writings, not spoken words, that made Timothy able to understand salvation. It wasn't the fact that God had just said it somewhere. No, it was the fact that it was written down and Timothy was able to look at it and see what it said and learn from it. That's what made him able to be saved. And we can't be complete. We can't be truly furnished. And we can't have holy scriptures if we have flawed scriptures. And so the big objection people have is, and and this is, This came up, I see this come up all the time, and they act like because we believe that the King James Bible is preserved perfectly for the English-speaking people, well then, naturally you must believe that every language, if God, you know, why did God give it to the English-speaking and not give it to all the other languages that are out there? If He gives it to the English people, He has to give it to everyone else too, so every language has to have a perfect Bible for Psalms, 12, 6, and 7 to be true according to your interpretation of it. That is a dumb straw man argument. And I'm going to talk about tonight, you know, why we have it the way we do in English and why it doesn't necessarily have to be in many other languages. I think there's something that a lot of people just don't understand that the Bible teaches pretty clearly. So uh, we'll talk about that tonight. But in case that objection's in your mind right now, you've got to listen to tonight's message to find out what that's all about. But David needed something he could count on something he could trust. And while man was doing a lot of evil, God made a promise that he would deal with them. And David was able to find hope. He had an anchor, the words of God. And I'm, I'm so thankful that God promised not to preserve just his word. Like I said it, it's going to get done. But his words. You know why? Because I wasn't there to hear the voice of God when he said all the things that he said, it had to be written down for me. Because he's not going to come back and say them again. And God has preserved those words. For us. And there's a difference between the preserved and inspired word of God and the words of God. And thank God we have them in this King James Bible. So I hope that was a help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the promises that are contained in it. And Lord, we th- wow, Lord, we're just amazed by the miracle of preservation. Lord, I can see why some people might struggle with it. It is Uh, Just an amazing thing. But Lord, if we read this Bible, we'll see uh, that's all you've done throughout history is amazing miracles. And so uh, the fact that this has been promised, Lord, help us to just accept that uh, by faith, just trusting in your word and pray this will be a help to everyone. In your name we pray. Amen.